0: Welcome to And Justice For All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. Exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh.
1: Two U.S. presidents, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Sinatra, and hundreds more have graced the Auditorium theater's stage. On graduation day, commencement speaker Anthony Rodriguez joins them with his official send-off to his classmates. Back in 2010, Anthony started his career with the Chicago Public Schools as a substitute bus aide. And in 2021, armed with his Roosevelt University degree, He will assume a new role in his field of special education. Anthony and I talked about his path to graduation, the challenges of distance learning, and his love of stand-up comedy. Congratulations on your well-earned degree, Anthony. And I hope all of you will enjoy our conversation. Anthony, let's get to know you a little bit. Where are you from? What was your background before coming to Roosevelt?
0: Sure. So I was born and raised in the city of Chicago, mostly in like the Logan Square area, Mm -hmm. Avondale area growing up. And, you know, before Roosevelt, when I uh, graduated from Lane Tech back in 2006, a couple years following that, I ended up applying and getting a job with Chicago Public Schools And I originally started as a substitute CWA, which is a position that no longer exists. But basically what we do is we assist uh, students in the classroom as well as assist them on transportation to and from school. So I've just, I mean, I've been in all things kids, all things, you know, school, anything that has to do with education has pretty much been the journey or the direction that I've been moving in. I will say that after uh, high school my original intent was to be an engineer, and here I am now uh, pursuing a completely different major. <laughs> hey,
1: you know, uh, that's the way it goes. Life is not a straight line for, for most of us. Now, you earned your associate degree from Wilbur Wright College, and then two classes in another, another university before coming to Roosevelt. So why Roosevelt then? Why us?
0: So, I mean, I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I started my college education around the age of 22, so that was 11 years ago. And once I kind of reached the point where I couldn't go any further as far as taking classes that would transfer over into me becoming a teacher, then I just kind of had to step back and reevaluate what are my options because at this point I kind of, you know, said that I wasn't going back into engineering. So I took classes at Northeastern. I took classes at Wright. I took classes at Harold Washington. Many of the city colleges, Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, the professors are all online. So I was just kind of involved, you know, in that regard. And once I completed uh, my associate's degree, I started to look into other programs and every program for education or for teaching could only take place during the day. Now that's a challenge because as I mentioned before, I've worked for CPS and basically I had to make the decision between work and school, even though they are completely related. So the door was closing. I'll be honest. And, and, you know, I was ready to just kind of go in a different direction, but then I got an email. I think it was in May of 2019 And this is when I heard about the residency program at Roosevelt, the um, CPS AA to BA program. And, you know, when I first looked at it, you know, it was, it almost seemed too good to be true. You know, the first thing that caught my eye was you can go, you can keep your job and you can go to school in the evening. You know, you can get your degree while you still are working. So I was like, oh, this, you know, this seems, this seems good. And I, I didn't know much about Roosevelt. In fact, I thought that Roosevelt was named after Theodore Roosevelt when I first started. And now I know that it's, it is not, <laughs> the Roosevelt, so it's not that. So based on just kind of the, the, you know, the little research that I did and, and just the availability and, and how convenient and, and, you know, how much of a blessing it was, I figured that I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna jump on this opportunity because one of two things can happen. It either won't work out or, you know, it will. And so I decided to make the jump uh, into Roosevelt back in July 2019 is when I first started. And I have zero regrets. Zero regrets.
1: Okay. Well, sounds great. And I know you're a part time comedian as well. So through this interview, I'm gonna pull your leg a little bit. Okay. For example, on May 7th, this year, there's a rumor that you might be graduating with a bachelor's degree in special ed. You might be. It it depends, right? I'm kidding. (laughs) You are graduating. So what drew you to actually to this special ed field? Tell me a bit more about that. Why special ed?
0: First, I will say that uh, your career in comedy, we're going to have to question that a little bit, but uh, we'll we'll save that discussion (laughs) for another day. So (laughs) I started uh, with, um, (laughs) well, we're talking about special education. This goes back actually to high school. For junior year of high school, I had to sign up for an elective, and the only elective that was available was PE. And I had already taken my PE for freshman and sophomore year, and here comes junior year, and I really didn't want to take it because- It was first period, and they never gave us the time to get ready. And if you know Lane Tech, it's four floors, 4,000 students. It's madness. So a teacher came in, and he was in charge of working with students with special needs. It was part of the program. It was almost like a buddy program. And so he needed four volunteers. And he got three right away. And he said, I need one more. Anyone? And at this point, I didn't want to do it yet. And he said well, you don't have to dress for gym. And so I raised my hand, I was like, I'll do it. (laughs) I don't wanna have to dress for gym, I don't wanna have to sweat. (laughs) I've I've done all that already, I will go ahead and do it. So this was my first exposure to diverse learners, to students with special needs. And I gotta be honest, it was very humbling. It was, you know, because I always tell people that if I ask 10 people on the street what they think a disability is, chances are I'm gonna get 10 different answers. And so when you go in there with a fixed mindset you expect to see a certain type of individual or a certain type of student uh, or a certain type of disability and here I am exposed to different kinds and you know at the base of it they're just they're they're regular kids they're regular students they're just they're beautiful and just like all of us they're so unique in their own way so I had joys working right. with them we would do like dancing with them we would play basketball with them we would ride the little scooters with them And, you know, it was just, it was very humbling and it touched my heart. So, following high school is when I found out about the opening with CPS as a substitute to work with students with special needs. So, I figured, hey, it's a substitute job. If I don't like it, I don't have to, you know, work certain days or at certain locations. Why not? I could be exposed to different schools. Maybe something can open up. So, back in 2010 is when I first started. And I was at, I mean, I would say at least over. 20, 25 schools I've subbed at. And so I've worked with students as young as kindergarten and as old as, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old. So I've worked with many different types of populations. And once I started subbing at a school called Vaughn Occupational, which is on the north side, uh, it is a 100% self-contained special education school. And there was an opening there and so I fell in love with everything about that school. The students were great. The dream and the mission that they had is something that I, I, I respected and something that I want to be a part of. So in 2013, I accepted a full-time position there as an assistant. So at this point, I stopped riding the bus because they were getting rid of that position. So I had to take a test because at this point, I didn't have my associates yet. So I took a test. And I became the, the classroom assistant, so I was there for, you know, seven, eight years, and and every year was just a new learning experience. I would learn, you know, about new students, and I would learn about different programs, and it it helped add to my my understanding, my education, and what I believe as an educator. So, you know, that yeah. interacting with all these students, it just kind of it made being a teacher that calling, or it made it feel like the right thing to do. So because of that experience, I decided to pursue a career in special education.
1: Yeah. No, it is a calling, absolutely, and especially in special ed. You know, dealing with special needs students, it's it's a gift, but it also skills as well that you need to learn. So through this Experience that you had, obviously, you learn, but also were there faculty at Roosevelt who had impact on your education as well?
0: Absolutely not. Um, I mean, absolutely. I'm sorry, <laughs> and I mean, I, I wish that I could list all of the teachers, all of the faculty, and all of the staff that that made a difference. But I'm pretty sure it would be like the Oscars and they would start playing the music. So I just will say that pretty much every educator that I've had at Roosevelt has been fantastic in in different ways, whether it's people who I respect for the knowledge that they bring and the pedagogy or, you know, with this past year and what's going on with the pandemic, I really feel that treating us like humans takes priority over everything. And that's what the professors at Roosevelt did is, you know, academics, it didn't really take a back seat, but it went to the passenger seat because they were so concerned about our well-being. And so that meant a lot because, you know, I've never had an experience at any school to where it was uh, truly student-centered i've had I've been at places where it's been completely teacher centered. you know you have lecture, you have direct instruction. there's no relationship built, but at this school, I'd say I built relationships with just about every educator and i I will though give a shout out to miss Castillo, Lily, who has been amazing at supporting myself and the members of my cohort throughout this whole process. She's been easy to speak with. she's been very transparent and very helpful, so It's been a very pleasant experience overall, and, you know, I'll I'll have memories uh, that I can just carry on with me for years to come.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, of course, this was a challenging year, and, you know, special ed students had to be doing distance learning. So what have you learned in that process from your students and dealing with your students in terms of challenges?
0: Right. So I think that, you know, not only speaking about the students, all of us, we've just experienced, you know, something that we didn't prepare for. And with students, with with the younger population and with the diverse learning population, remote learning is is very challenging. It's something that's not preferred and it's something that we didn't really have a plan for. So when I approach teaching in this regard, the first thing that I want to do is what teachers at Roosevelt or professors at Roosevelt did with me and they treat us like humans first because right now what's more important than anything is the social emotional beings of all of our students because they are facing things at home or in their environment that are things that you know we can be unaware of or things that we cannot control. I mean I work with the seventh grade class and we have students who will post questions and and if they unmute themselves or if they want to speak, you just hear calamity in the background, noise, babies crying, you know, there's, there's just so much going on. So I have to think, if I was in that situation, how am I able to focus? How am I able to focus on my academics? And so I make sure to prioritize that first, always checking in with students, seeing how they're doing, because with grades and with academics, I'm going to get them there. If you're a good educator, you're going to get them there. But it's important to bridge that connection and to treat them as human beings. And I will say that the kids are very excited to be back in the building. I'm very excited to be back in the building. I have not met any of the students in person because I've still been working remote with the exception of these past two days that we've had no students. So most of what I see are avatars or students with face masks, but I was able to build relationships with them. And, and so it's, it's been great and it's, it's just, it's been exciting. So when I think that we're already in April and the students still seem, you know, more engaged than we would think they are, then I look at that as a success because the kids are laughing every day. They're making jokes. And they're still actively participating. So, yes, it has its challenges, but I'm doing what I can. We're all doing what we can. And we realize there's not a perfect way of doing something. It's going to take trial and there. But as long as you put your heart into it, then, hey, we'll see what comes out and we'll, fi- we'll figure it out, right? We will all figure it out together. Yeah,
1: that's wonderful. That's a great approach. Now, you know, next year you will be employed full time as special ed teacher at Marine Leadership Academy. Tell me what you intend to accomplish in that position going
0: forward. Sure. So I would just want to bring my 11 years of experience into the classroom to support all learners of all abilities, whether it is in a setting that is considered inclusion, where we have students with special needs with students in general education. Or if we have students who are in a separate setting because they need more support. So the goal is just to give them an effective education to ensure that equity is there and to make learning fun. Because, you know, I I will say that a teacher at times can make you or break you. Growing up, I did not like history, but as I got older and I did the research for myself, I enjoy history and I enjoy learning about it, but because of a teacher's approach or a teacher's way of doing things, it kind of deterred me into a different direction. Like, I I don't think I want to study that. And now I'm kind of seeing that, you know, with science and math, when it comes to those subjects, I feel like if you put the right educator in there, then you can expose students to bigger things. It's not like, for example, I got my hat. I love my NASA hat. Right here, because I always think that you just got to dream big, and so you know when it comes to science, it was all textbooks with me. I don't want to do textbook. I want to be able to have you know those manipulatives. I want to be able to have these science experiments, these these project based learning, and have students practice their own inquiries so that they can take their learning to the next level without me having to kind of facilitate for them. So that's what I want to bring is I want to bring my energy. I want to bring my comedy. I want to bring my humility. I just want to bring everything that I am and everything that I want as an educator to these students in order for them to succeed in whatever decision they you know, they, they decide, whether it's for high school or following high school. I want to be able to prepare them for what life has for them ahead.
1: Well, you know, what you say is so much true, and it goes with the mission of Roosevelt University and its social justice is what we do well. How do you use your comedy and your good sense of humor with your students to brighten
0: their lives? Tell me about that. Sure. So I believe that comedy can do a lot more than just make somebody laugh. It can allow you to kind of bring things back into perspective it allows you to kind of have a, it's almost like a brain break for like the hard or the challenging realities that we have. And as I mentioned before, you know, teachers and educators that I've had growing up, it was more of the fearful approach, the authoritative approach. So if I got an answer wrong, or if I turn an assignment late, I was worried about getting into like massive trouble, not just with them, but like with my mom. So that was just that fear. Get it done so you don't get in trouble. Get it done so you don't get in trouble. And I didn't, I just, I felt very uptight and I didn't feel comfortable. And so the more that I just kind of went in tune with myself and and the more that I self discovered, I didn't realize how much I love and value comedy and realize how uh, beneficial can be in this profession. So I'll provide an example of a student a conversation that I had with a student yesterday. A lot of my students are big on anime. I've never seen any episodes of anime with the exception of Pokemon growing up. But so they they started naming these shows. Right. And so one of the shows is called like my I think it's called My Academia Academy. So I was like, oh I love Macadamia Nut cookies. So the kids, they just start cracking up. And so when they're laughing, you know, you see in the chat box because we allow the kids to just kind of, you know, have their freedom in there. You see they'll use their emojis and students who aren't really responding are starting to, you know, become engaged and post questions. So my goal is to just kind of pull them in, pull every student in. And of course you're going to have some students who are more comfortable sharing than others, but the classroom is for everybody. The learning experience is for everybody. And, you know, for someone like myself, if you can make me laugh, you have a very special place in my heart and you also have both of my ears to listen. So I try to bring any element of comedy and it's it gets harder as you get older because there's things that students really don't know about, even like something as common as DVDs. They, they questioned me on what DVDs are. And so when I started realizing that they didn't listen to that, then I realized, Whoa, I guess, you know, when you're 33, then you're considered ancient. So it's very important for me to remain relevant with them, whether it is something that I personally enjoy, or it's just an interest of theirs. And I'll make fun of it in a good way, in a good way.
1: I think this has been a great conversation, and congratulations to you and your family for being selected at our commencement speaker. And good luck. You have an amazing future in front of you. And just want to make sure that you leave us with lots of goodwill. And also hope to see you back on Wabash and at Roosevelt University as often as you can get back.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mr. President. I wanted to say that, Mr. President. Um, this has been an honor. Attending Roosevelt has been an honor. It's it's the honor of my life. And because of the school, I am, you know, May 7th going to graduate. And by next year, I will, be a, I, I will be a full-time special education teacher. So thank you so much.
1: All right. Great talking to
0: you. Bye-bye. Yes, great talking to you too. Be safe. Be safe. And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.